0: Good evening, everybody. Um, Wow, am I loud? I'm sorry. Um, It's great to see you all, (laughs) and it's great to be back up here. You've been seeing a lot of me recently, so I'm sorry about that. But um, I I won't be preaching again for a little while, so after tonight we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming um, with Zach, so uh, don't worry. Um, In any case, it's good to see all of you. And before we jump in tonight um, to what we're about to study, I want to remind you of what we went over last time I spoke, if you were here, and if this is your first time hearing it, then it's good for you to hear it anyways. Um, If you were here, you would remember that we are going over the four songs, four of the songs of trust, uh, over the four times that I'll be teaching on Wednesday nights. And these psalms, they are inspired prayers and songs that are given to us by God, and they are great examples for us in how to uh, better approach God in our prayer and honestly just how to think about God in general in our lives. They're songs of trust. They help us see how and why we can trust God and what it looks like in our lives, and specifically for us as we go into prayer meeting tonight, how we can better trust God as we talk to him, confess to him, and lay our cares and and concerns uh, before him. Last time we looked at the first song of trust, Psalm 11, and asked ourselves the question, what is it about God that allows us to wholly trust in him? And David, who was being attacked by certain adversaries and foes, took refuge in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord as his strength and protection, and then tells us why. And in doing that, he answered the question that we asked. If you remember, David first said that he could trust in the Lord because of where and what the Lord is. He is the transcendent God of the universe. And then he said we can trust in the Lord because of what he does, specifically that he graciously tests the righteous and judges the wicked. And then finally, who he is. He's is the righteous God who has made us righteous. David recognized that because of where and what God is, what he does, and who he is, that he need not worry about those who rises up against him, or he doesn't need to flee because God is the transcendent God of the universe who graciously tests the righteous and judges the wicked and whose righteousness has been imparted to him so that he may one day behold the Lord's face. He's going to trust in that God. And by David's example, we learn to trust in God. And how do we learn to do that? By beholding his face. Indeed, beholding his face was the way by which we were saved to begin with, as we learned by hearing from a quote from Piper and also the last phrase of Psalm 11, And therefore, it is the primary way for us to continue to collapse into a deeper trust in God until we eternally behold his face in heaven. Behold him for where and what he is, what he does, and who he is, and grow into a deeper trust in him. And that's what we went over last time I was here. And today, we'll be looking at the next song of trust, Psalm 23, a very familiar psalm. And we'll be trying to see, once again, how we can better trust God by looking at David's example. As we seek to do that in this short time we have together, let's turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. David writes these beautifully familiar words to us The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Before we begin to glean from God's Word to learn how to better trust Him, let's first turn to Him and trust in prayer and ask Him to help us do this tonight. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we thank You for this night. We thank You that we are all able to gather here um, together as a a body, as a smaller body, but as a body, and that we get to encourage one another and lift up our prayers and concerns and praises in prayer. Lord, help us today as we look into this psalm, and find out how to better trust in you. And I pray that we would apply this to our hearts this week and intentionally think about who you are and how we can better put our trust in you as we should. Help us do that tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, the setting of the psalm is actually quite the opposite of the setting of Psalm 11. As David is not in some sort of terror this time, but rather he's actually at peace. His kingdom is doing well. He's prospering. He's in a right standing with God. And David, instead of forgetting about God and falling into sin, what many people—that's what many people are tempted to do when everything is going great. Uh, David instead looks intently at God and reflects on how God has been good to him in his life. As Calvin, as John Calvin says on this passage. David might not, therefore, in the time of his great prosperity be like worldly men, who, when they seem to themselves to be fortunate, bury God in forgetfulness, and luxuriously plunge themselves into their pleasures. But David delights himself in God, the author of all the blessings which he enjoyed. And he not only acknowledges that the state of tranquillity in which he now lives, and his exemption from all inconveniences and troubles, is owing to the goodness of God, But he also trusts that through his providence, he will continue happy even to the close of his life. And for this end, that he may employ himself in his pure worship. David delights in God as the good God that he is, in other words, and the one who has given him all these things and these blessings in life, trusting that God will continue to do this and to providentially work in his life. So in Psalm 11, David tells us, what it is about God that allows us to trust in Him in times of trouble. But in Psalm 23, David is letting us know, hey, when times are good, we still need to trust God by delighting in who He is and what He's done for us. We never stop needing to trust Him. It is interesting, we behold God in times of trouble to trust Him more, and in good times, we delight in who God is. We behold Him for who He is to continue to do so. It's the same call, the same example from David, just a different scenario. So once again, David is answering the same question and giving the same solution. What is it about God that allows us to wholly trust in Him, even in times of prosperity? To answer this, David talks about God's goodness in a specific way. He starts out in verse 1 The Lord is my shepherd. The phrase is beautiful, it's powerful, it's portraying the ultimate and infinite God of the universe that has placed himself in the role of being our shepherd, the one who leads, guides, protects, and saves us as we aimlessly wander as sheep. God, Yahweh, the powerful promise keeper, reveals himself not as a big guy in the clouds with his arms crossed, looking down on us in disdain, but he reveals himself as a shepherd, as a leader, a guide, a protector, Someone who will leave the 99 and save the one who has wandered. He reveals himself as good. He is the good shepherd. And this is not a new way to talk about God's providential goodness. And actually several times in the Old Testament, God is compared as a shepherd of his people. I would read them all to you, but there's a lot of verses, and I'm not going to for the sake of time. Um, you can try and get some of these down, but there's a lot, so beware. There's Genesis 48:15, Genesis 49-24, Psalm twenty-eight nine, Psalm seventy-eight, fifty-two, Psalm eighty, verse one, Psalm ninety-five, verse seven, Psalm 100.3, verse three, Isaiah forty, verse eleven, Jeremiah thirty-one, verse ten, Ezekiel thirty-four, verse 11, 12, and twenty-three. I know that was a lot. But God is a shepherd. It's clear to us, we're told over and over and over again that that is who He is. Of course, for us reading this passage under the New Covenant. Having the New Testament in our hands, we can also point to how God is like a shepherd by looking at the person of Jesus Christ. And I'll actually read some of these. In 1 John 10, verse 11, probably the most well-known passage that we can think of about God being a shepherd, Jesus says, I am the what? The good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We see God's disposition in Christ as a shepherd, as one who sacrifices himself for the sheep, and who sacrificially protects and provides for them? Next, in Hebrews thirteen twenty, uh, it says that Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep again. In First Peter two tw- uh, twenty five, for you were straying like sheep, but now return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. We see in Christ that God is the shepherd. He is a sacrificial provider, guide. He is the overseer, and he's the protector of his people. David understands that as a sheep in God's flock, as one of God's people, it is at the heart of God to be his shepherd. There is certainty in David's heart knowing that God is good and that he is who he says he is, and there is certainty that he is under his care. We too have this certainty that as children of God in Christ, we are constantly under God's care, and this is why David trusts in God. It's because David knew that he was completely dependent on the care of his shepherd, the goodness of his shepherd. God. And throughout the rest of this passage, David gives three distinct conclusions in light of the fact that the Lord is his shepherd and what the Lord does in his life to show his goodness to him. David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, and here's what it means for me now, and then here's why I can say each of those things based on what the Lord has done and continues to do in my life. David can trust in the Lord because he is a shepherd and then he gives the reasons to substantiate that claim of trust once again as he did in Psalm 11. And the ways, the three ways that David does this is by first talking about the shepherd's provision in verses 1 through 3, the shepherd's protection in verses 4 through 5, and the shepherd's promise in verses 5 through 6, the shepherd's provision, protection, and promise. So first we have The shepherd's provision in the first three verses. Upon recognizing that the Lord is his shepherd, David concludes that he shall not want, as in, he will not lack anything that he needs. David is saying that he would want, he would need things that are essential to keeping him alive, but since the eternal covenant keeping Lord is his shepherd, as in, the one who sacrificially provides for him in every way is God that he does not and will not ever need to want anything. He will always have everything he needs. David understands that God and God alone is able and sufficient to provide with him to provide him with all his necessities. David knows that left to himself he would not be able to do this. And so he understands that even in the best of times he still is in desperate need of the constant care of his shepherd. Even when you are profitable And times aren't all that tough. The good shepherd is the one who provided that for you, and thus you will need to constantly trust him going forward. So then David supplies some of the most important ways that God provides for him and for us to help substantiate this claim of the shepherd's provision. He says, "...he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the waters." David sees how God provides for him, both physically and even spiritually. This verse is poetically saying that God provides us rest, peace, comfort, and nourishment. Streams and fields are always a sign of God's provision and nourishment. In Psalm 36, 8, they feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Or we can go all the way to Revelation in 717, when God provides his people at the end of Time to the springs of living water. David recognizes that God provides for him and that he nourishes his physical body and his soul and gives him peace and comfort. David recognizes again that God also provides for him spiritually when he says that he restores my soul. In Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul, reviving the soul. God, through his word, gives life and vitality to the soul, first through conversion and continually as we go throughout life. Spurgeon says on this verse, When the soul grows sorrowful, he revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. When it is weak, he strengthens it. God himself, as the shepherd, provides for us spiritually, restoring our souls. Next, David points out how God provides direction in our lives for our growth and holiness when he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Proverbs 4.11 says, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. God does not just leave us to defend for ourselves in this world, but he provides us instruction and guidance in how to live a life that is honoring to him. His word is a lamp unto our feet, and it's a light unto our path. His word is guidance in the paths of righteousness. But not only does God just use his word, but he also uses the indwelling of the Spirit as well. One example of that is in 1 John 3, 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed, the Spirit, abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. God provides direction for his people by his word and by the Spirit to live a holy life. And ultimately, all this is done for his own glory. David said um, in the last phrase of verse 3, it is for his name's sake. God acts for his own glory. God provides for us to bring glory to his name. And we should take comfort in knowing that God will glorify himself because it will happen. And since he does this in providing for our needs, we know that God will provide. We can trust that he will do that, and we should give him praise and the praise that he's due. So we should first trust God because as our shepherd, he will provide for our physical and spiritual needs. And this whole point can be summed up um, in a verse that I love in Luke twelve thirty two. It really reflects this trust. It says, Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Our loving Father as our shepherd loves to provide for us as his flock. So fear not. Delight and trust in the shepherd's provision. Next we have the shepherd's protection. Shepherd's protection in verses 4 and the beginning of 5. Upon recognizing that the Lord is his shepherd, David concludes Next, with the phrase, I will fear no evil, even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. David has an undeniable confidence in the protection of his shepherd. As he says in Psalm 11, when everything is crashing down and death is literally at his door, he will lean on God for his protection and comfort. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? David thoroughly trusted God for his protection as his shepherd. And David first points out that God's protection is not some distant, imaginary protection, but rather it is close to him. He says, you are with me. You, God, my shepherd, are with me. And that is why I am not afraid. God's protection on David's life and our lives is a comforting closeness in his arms. As his sheep, as his children, we are always within the grasp of God because we are always being constantly held in his hands. God is with us. On top of God's presence as protection, David also gives a picture of how our shepherd's rod and staff comfort him when he is in danger. God's protection is comforting to us. The staff was obviously used by shepherds to save and protect sheep, but the rod was used for counting sheep in the fold. Thus God's protection is comforting, but it is equally as comforting to know that you receive the protection because you have been counted as a member of the flock. Indeed, no one can call God shepherd unless they are members of his flock, but thanks be to God that he let us pass under his rod so that we were counted as his sheep, and are therefore protected by his staff. David says next that he does not have to fear, because even in the midst of his enemies, he can rest in the protection and provision of his shepherd. God lays out a table before him. God protects him by providing for him and giving him peace, even in the toughest situations. So we should trust God as our shepherd, because he will provide for our physical and spiritual needs, as in the shepherd's provision. But we also should trust God as our shepherd for the protection that he gives us through his presence, by counting us as his own, by protecting us with his staff, and by giving us provision and peace in times of trouble. Delight and trust in the shepherd's protection. And then finally we have the shepherd's promise, which is in verses 5 and 6. David concludes that I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever upon hearing that the Lord is his shepherd. Just prior to this, David says in the end of verse 5 into verse 6, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness well, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Here David is saying that God has blessed him so much, he has anointed his head with oil, his cup has overflowed, That God has done this so much in his life that David knows without a doubt that God's goodness and mercy will continue to be poured out on him for the rest of his life. God has given so much protection, so much provision, so many blessings, that no matter what David has done, he will never be able to outrun these blessings. David can only come to the conclusion that he will continue to receive them because it's just how God is. It's what his his track record has shown. David goes so far as to say that he will indeed dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's blessings of goodness and mercy would not stop at the end of his earthly life, but will extend into eternity as he resides in heaven forever. But why can David really say this? Is it just based on his past experience? Can we just assume that since God has done it before that he will do it again? Partially, yes, but primarily David knew that as God's sheep he was promised this eternal blessing. As Calvin said on this verse, although therefore experience led him to hope well, yet it was principally on the promise by which God confirms his people with respect to the future that David depended. David trusted in the trustworthy, providential, blessing-giving character of God entirely, and as he knew that the promise of eternal life to the righteous, as we saw in Psalm 11, would be undoubtedly kept by the promise-keeping shepherd. And we know that in Christ, we have an immense amount of blessings and the same promise. Ephesians 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We are eternally blessed, and we see the promise in 1 John five eleven. and this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The light and trust in the shepherd's promise. So what is it about God that allows us to trust in him? He's our shepherd who provides, he's our shepherd who protects, and he's our shepherd who has promised us eternal life. So when times are prosperous or when death is on the doorstep, follow David's example of trusting God by beholding him and delighting in who he is. And tonight as we pray, think about all these things. Think about how God is your shepherd, how he's the one who has counted you into his fold, how he's taken taken you under his wing, how he's willing to give you the kingdom in his good pleasure. Consider how he has provided for you, how he has met your physical needs of comfort and of nourishment, how he has met your spiritual needs of salvation, of sanctification and rest. Think about how he leads you each day by his word. And then finally, ponder how your shepherd has protected you. Be comforted by his close comfort, his presence, and his protection of you. And then meditate on the truth that you have been saved by his grace, blessed with every spiritual blessing, and our promised eternal life. So delight in the care of our shepherd tonight, and trust him as we pray.